Hello, curious trail runners, and welcome to Beyond DNF, where we put everyday athletes in front of professional coaches to workshop their training and racing. I am your host, CTS coach, Adam Ferdinandson. Today, we are joined by Joe Harden and coach Sarah Scazzaro. Joe has an inspiring story of finding the sport of ultra running, and he's looking to step up in distances and run strong in the upcoming years. Many of our coaches here at CTS are well known for their specialties, and sometimes they can almost get pigeonholed in them, but their specialty is always in addition to being a great ultramarathon coach and not separate from, and Sarah is exactly that kind of coach. Well known for her expertise in strength training, which only adds to her strengths as an ultra coach. As always, if you'd like to be on the show, please send me an email at beyonddnf at gmail.com and we'll get you on. And without further ado, I'll let you all enjoy the show. Joe, if you wanted to tell us a little bit about yourself, and I think you you got a bit of a story of how you found the sport um, and your experience with it. Yeah, uh, well, obviously my name's Joe. Um, I'm I'll be forty two, I think, this year, <clears throat> and um, um, a big part of my running story is is my sobriety story too. I just celebrated four years this last December. And I, I can't say Congrats. that running, yeah, thank you. It's, it's huge. Like I was like the last person you ever thought would ever, um, get clean and sober. So it's, we make a pretty big deal about like my sobriety birthday and stuff. Like we actually celebrate that more than my rate. Like I'm, I'm in my forties. So it's like, who really cares about your birthday? But we actually celebrate that more. So than like my regular birthday, but, um, and I can't say that, um, like running got me clean and sober, but it certainly helped me get, you know, stay sober. And it helped me. Um, I celebrated like 115 pounds of weight loss over the last few years. And I, I credit a lot of, you know, that to running. And then also <clears throat> I struggled with um, like debilitating anxiety and like manic depression and like a lot of really terrible mental um, health problems most of my life until I discovered you know, not just running, but like movement and running being like my main focus of, you know, focal point of exercise. And then, and as of late, you know, now focusing on ultra distance running, um, you know, like along with the sobriety stuff and the running, I, like, I also, um, I'm really heavily involved in like the service of others in sobriety. And I've been, um, trying to, make it my mission to, you know, use my like story and like my journey, like of ultra distance running as kind of like a catalyst for, you know, maybe to help others to show them that, you know, you can like, everyone's capable of doing hard things. It may not be that ultra distance running has, it has to be your thing, but just that we can all kind of get moving and find like a purpose and like, you know, just how beautiful just like overall movement is, um, in general, it's just something that we, I think a lot of people take for granted. I just, so I'm just trying to like pass that word along it, mostly in this, in the sobriety community. I, I'd like to show them like, Hey, like, like if you can move and like find something you love, it could be anything Then it's, it's a really beautiful thing. If you can you know explore that, hopefully that wasn't too, too much. But. No, that's perfect. Um, do you mind 
going into the moment, usually people have a moment of the first time that they, they heard about ultras and thought, huh, that's crazy. Or the first time you decided to sign up for a race. Oh yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll go with the first time I signed up for a race. Um, for first year sobriety birthday, like I said, we make this big deal about it. We go out to eat and my wife was just like, Hey, the gym is just like right, you know, next door to the Mexican restaurant we're at. And she's like, you should get a membership. And, you know, she's like, I get a really good discount. My wife have worked, has worked in law enforcement um, for the last 10 years. So she gets that discount. So I, you know, I walk in there and I sit down, I sign, you know, I sign the contract and the next morning I go in, I just started off walking. I would go in really early. I was really ashamed of how I looked. You know, I, I just felt like overall embarrassed to be like working out in public, uh, which is unfortunate. And, um, and I did that for like six months. I started feeling really, really good, you know, better than I ever have in my life, just walking, putting on, like putting on a little bit of incline or something and like a little bit of weights here and there. And I come home from the gym one morning and I like, I actually ran for like a quarter of a mile or something, which is like a huge milestone at the time. And I was like, Hey, I have like this really wild idea. Like, do you think we could train for a 5k for the turkey trot that's just down the road from our house? And, you know, my wife's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, let's do it together. So we trained together and um, ran the turkey trot. And when it was done, I was just like, well, like, you know, that was, that was fun. But it was like, but now I miss, like, I miss, like, what I learned is I miss training. Like, I love the training process more than I actually do. The, the race is just like kind of a cherry on the, on top. I was like, well, like if I can do a 5k, I can do a 10k. And then, you know, I, and then I signed up for the Indy mini, um, two years ago. And, I, and that was like the funnest training cycle I've ever done. And, um, we always go to like the golf during that time of year. So I get to do some of those training runs in the golf. And, um, I was, I start I just like dove into YouTube videos on and podcasts and like, I just couldn't get enough of running content. And I watched um, the Billy Yang documentary, The Why, and it ruined me. Like, I can't, I, I have consumed all things trail running ever since I watched that documentary. I just can't get enough. Um, so I signed up for the Jackson County 50-50, like, well, well before it, it was even close, like, like a year away. And I started getting way more into, like, running and then I was, you know, I was, I was, you know, busting my butt in the gym and and training runs, and I wasn't getting a lot of, um, you know, like gains, I guess, or any more weight loss. At the time, all all I really cared about was weight loss. I, I've pretty much thrown that out. Like I, I just want to feel good and move my body. But um, a friend of mine showed me this book um, called Finding Ultra by Rich Roll, and that forever changed my life. I've pretty much absorbed it, like every bit of his content I ever, ever could. I, I've even taken on a plant-based lifestyle and, you know, all that. And, and here we are now, I, you know, I've got a couple 50 K's in and I'm looking for, uh, you know, longer distance. I, the longer my training runs get, the more I learn about myself. And I, like I always say like every mile, like every mile I run is transformative in some way. I just learn something a little bit more about myself every time I do like a longer training cycle. And so I'd like to push it, you know, as far as, as I can. Well, that's incredible. I love your story coming into this and 
I mean, you got all the classics there. You got Finding Ultra by Rich Roll and Billy Yang. I think all of us hit some similar, um, you know, stepping stones along the way. I got to know, have you um, consumed any of, I, sh- I sure hope I don't get his name wrong, but I believe um, David Clark's work. Oh, yeah. I I read his first book and I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear more. And then I, I, I think... I heard if I heard correctly, he passed away, which is unfortunate. But that that first book of his is so awesome. I I, I need to get. I think he wrote two. Yeah, I, that his book got me through like a great deal of my last fifty k um, training cycle. I was I did like a I did a backyard and, and um, I listened to that pretty much the entire time. So yeah, it's really good stuff. And I, and I can kind of align with that story. So I think I think he had a sobriety story as well. I, yeah, actually, I know he did. And I think a pretty significant, you know, weight loss. And I think he was plant-based too, if I remember correctly. But. Yep. So if anyone wants to continue the inspiration train, definitely go um, check out his book. It's called Out There. Um, yes, it's a fantastic no. read. If you've ever just looked for another, you want another ultra book or audio book to throw on the pile. Well, let's, we got to talk about training a little bit. Um, How have you been training up until now? And then I'll kind of let Sarah take it from there with um, any questions she has and to kind of guide the rest. Up until now, um, it's been, I I guess if if I don't hit my mileage that I always want, I'm always very consistent. Um, I usually, I usually hit between 20 to 25 miles a week. I'll hit 30 plus sometimes. Um, I, I usually, I usually stick with e- like pretty well easy runs. Zone, I guess zone two heart rate. I don't, I know some people don't buy into the zone two training, but once I hit like that, once I hit that like zone two heart rate, I feel like I can pretty much run forever. Um, I, I don't do as much tempo work as I, as I should, but also, um, you know, I am not like a spring chicken anymore, so I don't do like a ton of fast work. Um, just cause I like the last time I focused on getting faster is that it's the one and only like true injury I've ever had. So I've just kind of stayed away from like a lot of speed work. What so was that this, injury? If you don't mind me asking, Joe. I, I just kept getting like this weird ball that would pop up in like the top of my left foot. Okay. And then like. And then just above it, um, I still have like a lump there. It's like a hard calcified lump. Just where my tendon meets the top of my foot, it would swell up. And I was able to fix that with, <laughs> I was able to fix that with KT tape this last summer. And I don't like it. And I, I don't know why. I don't know how it works. I don't even know if it's like, if it's, um, if it's uh, Kate, placebo, I don't care. But it like, it KT fixed tape. it for a while. Kate. KT can be like the WD forty sometimes. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah. slap some tape on them, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, go I, ahead. Sorry. I, yeah, I, I personal train every Monday with my friend John. He also owns a gym down the road, and I've been trying to do a lot more strength training uh, lately. A lot of core stuff. I pretty much lived on the stairs for my last fifty k because I had like. For in and in for a Hoosier, you know, I live in I live in like the flattest place on earth. Um, Fifty six hundred feet of vertical is like huge for me, so I just <laughs> hammered stairs as much as I possibly could. So that's pretty much my training in a I guess in a nutshell. But 
And you have a 50K coming up, if I understand correctly? I I have a backyard in April. Okay. And my goal is 50 miles. But mm-hmm. like honestly, I think I don't see that being a problem. As long as I can stay healthy and stay moving. Um, and time on feet's a big thing, too. I, I never sit down. Like I have a, I have a desk job, and I just don't, don't even sit down there. Um, I think 50 miles is certainly achievable in April, as long as I can keep going the way I am. And I've got, I've got a, a couple more 50 milers next year. I've, I signed up for two backyards and I was going to do tunnel Hill 50 miler. And I was going to do the eight hour dream at Butler. And then I'm just going to do the 12 hour, the timely nonsense in Chicago in July. So okay. mostly just 50 milers this, this year, but I don't. And you have a goal of a hundred next year? In my, in my goal, yeah. My goal next year in 2025 is a hundred miles. I know that's a big stretch. Can you pick the one? I would really like to do, like, I love um, the stuff that like Trail Sisters do. So I, I, it's either, I, I'm hoping either the East Fork 100 miler or I would love to like do the Tunnel Hill, Tunnel Hill 50 this year and then come back next year and do Tunnel Hill 100. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I've got my eyes set on a few things. Like I've got some friends that do the IT 100 here in Indiana. That's so, a great race. Yeah, yeah. I've heard like everybody at, Oak, uh, everybody at um, Jackson County 50, 50 is like, so when are you going to do the IT like 100? <laughs> like, so I don't know. I don't know which one to do. Like I get wrapped up in like, I get wrapped up in like the mission. Like when I learn about like a race director and if they have like this really great cause or like I, I get wrapped up in that more than I do like the actual race. So yeah, I don't, I don't really know yet um, which one I want to okay. do. They're kind of near the same time of the year though. Like if you did yeah. uh, in tunnel, at least in Indiana, they're a month apart, October and November. So yeah. at least they're close-ish together. Um, with your past running and racing, what do you feel your strengths are? What do you feel your, your limitations have been? Uh, speed is my limitation. I don't like, I, I, I honestly feel like I can, I can go for like, once I find a groove and once I find like a groove in running, I feel like I can just keep going. Like I, I have to stop myself sometimes. Cause I'm like, I mean, do I, like I get to the point, like, should I keep going and like risk getting hurt or like overtraining? But I really, I really love long runs. Like I, I, that's my favorite thing. Like anything under 10 miles, I don't really get like, like anything out of it. Like I know it's like, I I just have to like think of it as like a training run. The the long run is like my favorite thing. Um, Sorry. I think I forgot the rest of the question, but speed is my, is my big speed. And your strength, you kind of answered the strength question, which is you feel like you can go forever. You can find that kind of forever effort gear lock in and you're really comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just, I just noticed I can like dig into those pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, not to say the cliche thing, but I, like, I do find comfort in like the pain cave that everyone like talks about. Like I, I really kind of like that spot in some weird, um, some weird way, but. And Let's talk a little bit about like rest days and recovery. What does that look like for you? Do you take rest days? What does your recovery look like? Usually, usually my, I don't ever just don't have a day where I don't do anything. Cause I, I mean, I just don't really like a true rest day. 
but I've been, I've been cycling a ton. Like I, I, I set up my road bike on one of those, um, kinetic, um, smart trainers. So I do a lot of that too, like, um, kind of in between, but like, honestly, sometimes when I get on the bike and go for a long run on there, it just gets me in the mood to run. So like I'll end up doing like two a days or something, but, um, I would say even on like a, like a rest day, I'll, I'll still do like, like a little hit training or like a kettlebell session or like a, like I have a park just like a half mile from my house. So I'll do like a three mile walk or, um, I'll, I'll do yoga sometimes if I really, if I truly need a rest day, I'll at least do yoga. Like if anything, or like, you least, like to be yeah. moving. Yeah. I, I, I have to stay moving. Like I can't sit, sit still. It's what, it's what got me where I was before. So I'm like still kind of terrified, like to go, back to how like the shape I was in previously mm. and just always makes me feel better to keep my body moving. Okay. So oh, Sarah, for, yeah. for an athlete like that, where they really like to be moving each day, what is the best way to find recovery then? Is it like a 30 minutes, really easy spin on the bike, something like that to, to feel like you did something um, or taking some walks? Cause yeah. I find this a lot and I think, um, especially when people have a similar background and I work with quite a few people in the ultra space that do, um, you know, it's running is part of what is a piece of the puzzle that got you to where you are today. And, um, uh, because of that, the identity tie, I think it's maybe stronger than even it is for the regular ultra runner, which is pretty high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the days where you don't have anything like that, you know, just kind of feels like, oh, there's this missing piece. Um, so yeah. I think long-term a goal would be to, to introduce some rest days um, and finding other parts of your life to focus on during that. And it's almost a preventative measure because there's going to come a time someday where you're injured or sick, where you're going to have to take a step back. And if you can be a bit prepared for that Mm -hmm. um, and develop tools ahead of time, it'll make that a lot less painful if, and most likely when it, it does happen. I was going to say exactly that, Adam, that it's being a little proactive about the rest day. And I know it's it's really hard because um, running itself can be its own form of addiction as well. And yeah. it's, it's, very, it's this very empowering. Um, it's, it's just it's a joyful type of addiction. But at the same time, sometimes we run the risk. And I've been there myself that we lean so heavily into it that we're not listening to the sound, the signs of when our body does need a true rest. And that usually leads to burnout or injury. And there's that old saying that, listen, when your body whispers, you're going to hear it scream. And so if we don't start working in some sort of rest or recovery, when we do need to have it, it really hits hard. And it's it's very much an out of control feeling then, which can go down a totally different <laughs> avenue of, you know, now this thing's been taken away. Um, so if we can kind of learn and And, in, and back to your question, Adam. I find sometimes like we're meant to, we're movers. People are movers. I don't want any of my athletes like laying in bed on their rest day. Well, some days you need to after a hard race. Don't get me wrong. But when I, you know, a walk, do you have any animals like dogs or kids? Like I'll I'll sometimes take my dog for a walk. He's, he's like terrible on a leash, but. Oh, yeah. okay. Then that turns into an interval workout itself. It's pulling you. But, or even just a, a walk. Um, or like Adam pointed out, an easy spin on the bike, really being mindful of that recovery effort. The point of the 
that session is not to break a sweat or burn calories or make any fitness gains. Sometimes it's just to be moving in a thoughtful way when we feel like we can't not move because we're so tied into movement as part of our identity. And then the next step is, which I think you might find as you start training for a hundred, because things do start to shift when you start getting into longer and longer blocks of training and volume that you should want the rest day. You know, even if you don't take one every week, some people take one every 10 days or every two weeks or, you know, how we, how your strain, your training is periodized, but it should be like, wow, this feels kind of good. Maybe I'll go for a walk, something gentle, but your body needs that. That's when it's really kind of building and repairing. And you added this stimulus and you want an adaptation and that rest is part of that adaptation so that you can come back and yeah. run even stronger. Um, but I know 100% when you love to run, it's really hard or you love <laughs> to move. It's really hard, especially on a beautiful day. And you're like, Oh, oh yeah, that's torture. I really want to be out there, you know? So Sometimes it's just that trade-off of like, well, maybe I'll just go for a walk um, or that easy bike ride. I think sometimes people start to find it easier in the bad weather months. They're like, I'll take that rest day when it's like negative 10 and snow out. But gosh, spring, summer, and fall can be tough because it's like it's been chef's rough. kiss it's running rough. weather. Yeah. I, li I like to run commute to work too. So it's been mm. kind of terrible. Like, like I, guess I'll, I guess I'll drive. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would just say I was, you know, I've been in that position of like, don't want to take a day off running. Can't, it was my identity. And then I had a knee injury, which took me out for eight years. I didn't run a step for eight years and I had to learn a lot about myself in that time. Yeah. And so not, that wasn't a result of not taking rest days for me, but I think I maybe would have been a little bit better at coping with that sudden break in identity with what running was to me because I suddenly didn't have, and it was a coping mechanism for me in a lot of ways. So sometimes it's nice to start to find something proactively before heaven forbid something happens that makes you stop running even for a short period of time. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I think I would probably be devastated if I lost it. I mean, I, I know I probably find other things, but like all the other things that I do are kind of to help me with, with this. It's like everything I do oh, kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah. So I would certainly, um, I mean, it's something I'm afraid of. Like, I, I mean, I, I did run into some like overtraining issues before, but I was like, whoa, like, like you can't do this every single day, like just full out, you know, but you know, I'm, I, I do give you kudos though. Like you started doing some speed work and your body was telling you like, Ooh, not good. You didn't push it. But some people that's when they double down on things like yeah. I'm going to make this work. And so you backed off. I do think there is a time and a place for intensity. And I, did you ever get that, the cause of that bump checked out by anybody, physical therapist, doctor? I honestly didn't. And, and I, all I did was just switch, I switched shoes. Like I didn't, yeah. like, I, I, I know it was like such a weird fix, but I was like, well, maybe I'll try, you know, like something different. And I, I ended up going to Brooks and that helped for mm -hmm. a little bit, but it's not as weird as you think, because sometimes it can even be like, I don't know your injury, nor am I diagnosing, but sometimes it can be something as simple as how the lacing and where the tongue sat on that foot and rubbing or pressure. And so changing shoes changes yeah. kind of how things lay and how you lace in that area. Um, I, you know, 
as you continue to build volume and as you continue to kind of on your ultra journey, there is a lot that can be gained from intensity. But saying that, there's nothing wrong with also just enjoying being, you're very much a process runner. And I like, I mean, for all our true crime fans out there, there's process killers and product killers. And I thought I joke oh about this. <laughs> it's true though. Everybody's like, oh, crazy. But there's the same thing I find with runners. There's process runners that are like, I really, the event is the cherry on top. It's the culmination of everything, but I'm just happy as a clam with the training. If my race got canceled, I'd be fine. I love yeah. finding out who I am through each and every run. And then there are people that are like, I'm doing this because I want that race. I want that buckle. I want that experience. I want that outcome. And being a process runner, you're not as tied up into necessarily, I'm guessing, you tell me, the time or the results. That's not as much of an identity as the journey is. No. And so a lot of those runners, you don't necessarily have to do intensity. It's all what what is your motivation for this? And if it's to stay healthy and get lots of volume in and have a, have fun out there, there's no one size fits all on how to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly say I I align with that. You know, like I, I mean, I'm I'm not ashamed to be like like a mid packer, like a mid backpacker. I, mean, I have so much fun back there. Like that's I mean, I've met all my friends back there, <laughs> so it's like yeah. yeah. I mean, I if I if I were for whatever strange reason podium at like 42 years old, like that, like you know, I'd probably be a little bit lonelier than what it's been. Like I've met so many cool people in the back. So. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, you yeah. like, and that's, yeah. so yeah, I, I guess I don't really care about time a whole lot. Yeah. The races I just, mean, you sign up for races, you want to make the cutoffs and you want to make, you yeah. know, obviously you have to be mindful of that. But I think in this sport and in this world where, or a lot of talk about periodization and intensity and, and all these things, which is important. There is a place for that, but there's also a subgroup of people that are like, I just like to run and I just want to run as much as I can. On the flip side of that, there still has to be some structure of like rest days and recovery and not doing too much too soon. Those sorts of things. But I'm, 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 I have athletes sometimes that are like, I don't care about intensity. I don't want to do it. I don't enjoy it give me all the volume. And then we have the discussions of like, well, why would we do intensity? What could be gained? And if they're like, I don't care about that. That's okay. You know, yes. I think sometimes we're always pushing, like go faster. Everybody needs, like, you need to worry about that. And there's a large population of people that are like, no, I just love doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can align with that. Certainly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, lo I love like the act of like, I, lo I love everything that goes into a race mm -hmm. previous to the race. And like, I, like the training runs and just uh, like, like I like, I like to look up like the history of the things and like, I just get way into that. Like um, more so than Process ever winning. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'll probably never, I'll, I'm, maybe one day if I can keep running, um, like I'd like to run till like till for the rest of my life, Yeah. but maybe I'll age into a podium finish one day. That'd be great. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about this sport. You know, if you yeah. do it right, there's so much longevity. And I, I don't know about you guys, but one of the most beautiful things when you go to these races is you see people that are, that are decades older than us and they're crushing it and they're happy and they're smiling and they're sometimes leaving me in the dust. And you're like, oh, that's what I oh, want to yeah. be when I grow up. It's like, that's so inspiring to me. Um, I just, because it's not one of those sports that like, well, once you hit the ripe old age of 35, we got no place for you anymore. It ultra rewards longevity and patience, I find. And I think 
that's such a beautiful thing about this sport and it can always evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that made me think of, I did this like run the mounds thing over the summer. It was like a five mile, uh, loop. And I remember like that, that was the one day I was like, I want to run as hard as I can for five miles. And I was just, it was hot and I was just, I was digging deep for this run. And I would say this like 70 plus year old man and like, and like the, the oldest Montreal trail she's ever seen just blew past me it. and was just talking to me as he blew past me. Like, like he wasn't like, it was just a walk in the park. And we've all been there, was, Joe, especially with the yeah, Montreals. It was, it was so awesome. I was like, uh-huh. I don't want to know everything about this guy, but like, yeah. it was so cool. But and it was the humbling wisdom. and also pretty cool. What's that? I'm sorry. Yeah. The wisdom you can gain from talking to people that have been yeah. in the sport for 10, 15, 20, 30 plus years. It's just, there's nothing like it. Yeah, certainly. Um, I do think, I know Adam had mentioned, um, and you had mentioned vegan. You're a plant-based athlete. Oh, yeah. How yeah. has that, how, tell us a little bit more about that. And has that proved any challenges with your fueling on your runs? Like what, what does your fueling look like? Um, for like an ultra fueling, I mean, I do, <laughs> the, I don't really eat the goose a lot. For whatever reason, it's kind of like, like kind of burn my taste buds in a weird way. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not saying anything bad about goo as a company, you know, goo in general. Like I, I have used goose. Um, uh, the goo but, mafia uh, won't come out and get you. It's okay. Yeah, was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> there goes the goose monster. Um, Shoot, Adam, the sponsor's gone. Yeah, sorry. So, look, but I do, I do use goose. But I felt like I really, really like these um, Mama Chia chia seed uh, pouches. Mm. Mm-hmm. The only bummer is they're huge. Like the pouches are like this, like hand size. So that's kind mm. of a bummer. But for fueling, I do I do some pretty weird stuff because I try to keep mostly like whole food too. So like I'll eat like um, dates, like pitted dates or um I t- tailwind's like the greatest thing that I've ever discovered over the last year. <laughs> like I can't believe I I went as far as I did without without knowing about it. Um, like for like backyards, I've I've like literally ate like black bean burritos and stuff, or <laughs> like ramen or pickles or something. But um, I usually do salt tabs. Like I I on a really hot day, my my quads will absolutely lock up. Cause like mm-hmm. I, I lose so much salt that I'll just be like covered in like grit after I'm done. So I have to really, really concentrate on salt intake or I, my legs just stop working. They just don't even listen to what my brain's telling them to do anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of mix like goose in with, um, or goose, the mama cheese and mama cheese in with like whole foods or I talked about this last night in a podcast, but the most slept on like race fuel I've ever found is Uncrustables. And I completely agree. I've always said that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what, like I was like, tr- I did like an overnight, like I stayed in like a hostel before um, a 50 K and I was just like, I just like, well, obviously I can't bring like bags of spinach and stuff. And like, <laughs> so, cause I'm, I'll make like chia pudding, like pre-race is always chia pudding by the way, but in a little bit of oatmeal or something, but. Yeah, it's just like I guess Uncrustables. Like I put them in a cooler and just like I threw them in my my Nathan vest, and I mean I was good to go. But I'm gonna give a little tip for us gluten free folks out there. Uh, the Bobo's brand makes these peanut butter and jelly cookies that are 
as close to a gluten crustable as you can get. And they're fantastic. So if you can't have crustables, Bowman's oh, yeah. has got you. Certainly. So. <clears throat> Sarah, I had those at my last race at your A50. That was one of the many things I was refusing to eat in the middle of the night. So, (laughs) Oh, they're so good. I'm sorry, but they're on sale at Costco right now too. So go get you some. They are are great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do. So I'm also uh, a vegan and and an ultra runner and a protein um, nut myself. Um, How do you think about protein fueling. I just, I know a lot of times, um, vegan athletes, it's that annoying questions from your in-laws at Thanksgiving. How do you get enough protein? Yeah. But, um, for a, an endurance training audience, it's actually a very valid question as it's, it's not at all intuitive and it really does take specific planning. Um, so I'd like to know kind of where you sit on that spectrum of, are you really regimented with the protein or maybe a little bit lax? Um, I would, I mean, I like, I do try, I do like track my macros, but I don't, I don't go like real hard in the paint. Like I don't try to get like a gram per pound or whatever. And I, and only because every time I've ever hit like that, um, protein goal, I feel awful. Like I just feel like I feel huge for a while. So I, so I would say like today, today I've had like 140, 50 grams of protein, but I like I'm, I go pretty heavy on t- like tofu and beans and um, I say that's most than that's more than some people that aren't plant based get so yeah yeah well like I I've been like I've been like kind of piling the beans and tofu on lately <laughs> just because I notice if like I notice if I go the other way um, with more veggies and stuff sometimes when I like when like after I digest I'm just starving. So I've been like slowly like adding more, like, t- you know, I had probably two cups of cannellini beans and like six ounces of tofu or eight ounces of tofu today. But so I, I would, pr- and, I, and here in a bit, I'll probably have, like, I get like that hemp and pea protein, um, like protein powder and I'll do like a little, I don't like to drink, I, I never like to drink calories cause it just, it doesn't really do anything for me. So I make like this. I make like a weird like almond milk um, protein powder like paste, and sometimes I'll even put like a little you know like the baking cocoa, which mm-hmm. it tastes awful mm-hmm. straight. I'll put like a little bit of that in there just to make it taste like chocolate a little bit, but <laughs> make it you know make it taste like something other than just like whatever that that uh, vegan protein powder is. It's pretty awful, but um, so I, you know and I'll you know maybe it maybe on like. A day where I really plan out my protein, I can get like 160 grams of protein, but that's really, that's a stretch. Like I really have to, like I, you know, I eat a lot of edamame, edamame, believe it or not, is like super rich in protein. So I'll eat like, really yeah, I'll eat a bag of those a day sometimes just to get my protein goal up, my my protein, um, you know, grams up. Well, as far as, um, vegan ultra athletes go, and I just tend to work with a lot of them, you're, you're definitely up in the expert category in terms of protein total intake. So, um, <clears throat> that's great. Cause the, the recommendations are around 1.8 grams per kilogram. So, um, you're certainly roughly solidly in that ballpark, which is, which is great to hear and you're being intentional with it. So glad to hear that. Yeah, um, I also do want to touch on veggies. I do want to touch on the um, sticking more to whole foods during 
training and races. And then I also want to hear what Sarah has to say about it, but, um, especially for people that came into this sport off of a, a weight loss journey, probably a lot of what that journey looked like was switching to more whole food sources, um, things that are generally, you know, quote healthier. Um, and that's what led you to all the success, but in an exercise setting, um, those rules kind of go out the window where, um, a lot of those rules come down to, we're trying to, you know, eat things that are slightly more satiating, more nutritious. Um, whereas during exercise, we don't really care about all those rules. Um, we care about getting carbohydrates into our bloodstream and to the working muscles as, as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, so with that as the goal, I always encourage people, there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, just gels, Krispy Kreme donuts, whatever it is, um, within the context of running. And of course we don't want our entire diet to look like that. Um, and those foods can maybe even be a bit, um, I guess triggering would be the word to, to take in cause you associate it with maybe just, you know, back when you, you weren't eating as well or something like that. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I just like to draw the distinction between fueling for exercise specifically, and then just an, an overall healthy diet outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Joe. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause that's, I was always afraid of them at first. Like the, the humas, that's the humas. That's what I do too. Sorry. I know that's a, a circling back to that one thing, but yeah, like I was terrified at like, terrified of like the idea of having to eat to exercise. Cause I, you know, I was like, well, why am I doing this? But so it's taken me like mm-hmm. a long time to kind of learn that, you know, that's okay. But, uh, yeah, it just seemed counterintuitive at first when I first started all this to like eat while you're exercising, I guess. But yeah, I think a lot of people find that, you know, there's, there's a saying that's been going around the ultra community for forever that basically ultra running is an eating contest, you know, like who can eat, <laughs> the best, the most calm, you know, who can be getting in the most steady flow of calories. And, and I like to recommend to all of my athletes that you have like whole food options, what I call quick calories, your gels, your chews, your goos, things like that. And then like a fluid based option, which it sounds like you've got, cause you've got Huma, you've got tailwind. And then we know you're rocking the whole food options, but it's so important to be able to have options in each category because there will come a time in most ultras that either one won't be available or you won't feel like one, no matter how much you loved it in training. I don't know about you, Adam, but I've had races where I've like, this is it. This is my go-to fuel. And then it's in my drop bag and I'm like, like, nope. And like, if that was the only thing I was counting on, you'd be in so much trouble and it just gives you more options and versatility. And if you can train with that versatility throughout your prep and train that gut, it's, you can limit the cause of most people's DNFs, which is GI issues. Blisters and GI issues are two of the top of DNF of reasons people DNF. And if you can train the gut and have options available bonus points. If you find out what your goal race is having and train with that fuel, like if you know, they're going to have tailwind or, you know, they're going to have rocktane and you're like, well, I can, I don't love it, but I can tolerate it. That's the key that if you're in a pinch, you know that you have that option. But I think a lot of people come to the sport with a fear of, because they tend to find it through getting healthier and, you know, doing more and, you know, I feel like we're sharing here. I signed up for my first marathon when I was 19 because I thought, oh, it's going to be a great way to lose weight. I 
I'm going to be training so much. It'll be fabulous. Like I won't, Mm -hmm. that's a lie (laughs) if you're doing (laughs) it right. And, you know, so I feel like most people find the sport of like, oh, running it's, it's because it's kind of touted as such a great fat loss activity. But then when you start going into ultra running, it's not only a, a part of it, it is such a huge part of success in the sport is you have to fuel well and often, and you have to train that gut early. And I think people that take longer to figure that out have more issues with this sport in the terms of injury, recovery, and just not having great experiences at races because they're having so many GI issues. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably, I'd say if we had to take a thing, I'd probably be my, my biggest struggle is mm. really feeling for these things. Cause yeah. It's you aren't just, alone. It's, yeah. You aren't yeah. Alone. I mean, even just like at a 50 K I was like, I was just getting tired of like tasting stuff. I mean, so I was just like, I really didn't know what to do. Like if, if I would have had bad decisions to make, I probably would have made it then. Cause I was just like, I don't want to like, yeah. luckily like a, like those aid stations that day were awesome. They had like orange slices and like, the most heavenly cup of ramen I've ever experienced in my life. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know if I would have made it that day. But and who hasn't seen the face of God with a good piece of watermelon on a hot race day? Oh yeah, like, yeah. the perfect piece of cold watermelon. I mean, it's just amazing. But but yeah, that's that's something that you know, if you're you're saying like, okay, that's a struggle for you, then that's something to continue to work on and practice and try different things. And you have your your kind of your core unit of the things that work for you, but try this brand of gel over here, try that fluid based calories over here, try some other whole food options. Cause like I said, the more resilient and the more variety you have in your fueling arsenal and the stronger you can train that gut, you can roll up to any aid station and be like, Oh, it's like a buffet. I can have any of this. And that's such an empowering feeling versus being limited to like, I know I can only have a banana and yeah. sick of bananas. Trust me. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, there was like an eighteen miler I did, and I just like that's all I could think of was I just had like bit like just bananas that day. I was just like same yeah. thing. I couldn't even look at them for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've we've all had that that thing, whether it's a banana or a brand of gel, and you just get so sick of it that you cannot. It takes months, maybe years, to be able to to go back and revisit that option. I'm never touching the cake batter goos ever again. Oh. Oh. We're done. <laughs> yeah. So see, you, everybody's got their thing. I'd love to hear. That's a good poll question. What's that one thing you'll never touch again? I think it was well, like, a, like a brownie mix goo. That was one that was one that got me. It was, just, was that like a warm race too? It, like a it sun- was so hot. It was like, yeah, no. And I just like, yeah. and I just felt like I was sticky forever. I was like, I just can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Mine was bananas because I in Indiana 100 and it was my first hunter back after my celiac diagnosis. And so I hadn't done an ultra. And so I did that race in particular because the logistics are so good because every loop I had my car with my drop bag so I could count on my stuff. But I got out there and the only thing I could have safely at aid stations was bananas. And so that's all I would take from aid stations were bananas. And oh, I didn't touch a banana. I had one banana at my last 100 because I was still so scarred and it was like, Two and a half years later, it was like, I can't, I can't do it. Well, Joe, 
something else I want to chat about here. Um, you, you do a good deal of strength training and this keeps just happening randomly where the, the host that I bring on happens to have expertise that lines up with the guest. I'm not even really trying to, it just keeps happening. Um, but Sarah, in addition to being a fantastic ultra marathon coach is also one of our, um, strength training experts that we lean on here. So she's going to be a great person to kind of bring in on this. Um, and I'm guessing her first question is going to be, what are your goals with strength training? Um, I mean, same, the same thing with everything. I, I kind of use strength training to be a, not a better runner, but to run longer. I, so I don't really get too carried away with like, I don't really ever worry about like lifting a ton of heavy stuff or anything like that. Like I kind of like to do, um, just like functional weight training, right? Like, like split squats or, um, oh, I can't remember what those deadlifts I do are. Um, hold on. Like all the deadlifts are named after some country and I can't remember, but it's like, Oh, uh, there's Romanian deadlifts. Yeah. The Romanian deadlifts. Yeah. I I, I love those. Um, Pro tip, if your exercise is named after an Eastern Bloc European country, it's probably going to hurt. I AKA (laughs) Bulgarian split squats, Romanian deadlifts. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I learned. I'm like, if it's named after some like European country, it's going to be a really terrible <laughs> workout. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like I love those, and I'll do like um like hip like uh I think they're like hit like bridges like a hip thrust mm-hmm. with like a kettlebell, and my personal trainer has me just put like pushing a sled. Um, we'll we'll do squats, but never like real heavy. It's always high rep kind of mixed up we'll mix it in with like some um trx strap work like a press or like a pull he'll have me break it up with stairs like lots of stairs lots and lots of stairs um so many stairs but uh yeah and just and you're lifting one day a week i go to him one day a week and then he'll give me like a workout to do and then even i would say like four days a week, I do like a little kettlebell thing. Like I'll, I'll like, I'll cycle here in this room and I'll do like a small little 10 minute kettlebell thing next to my bike. And it's nothing real crazy. Like I'll do some like, um, Oh, I can never remember what the, what the crunches are. They're like dead bugs. I think that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. I'll do like some of those mixed in with like, um, some like rows or like snatch and cleans just like a real simple 10 minute thing. And then sometimes I'll even like, I'll like, I can just like walk out my door and run to the park and th- do that loop. And then I'll come back and do like a 10 minute, like, like a cool down kettlebell thing, but nothing real intense, but just like lifting something a little bit, like most days. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, other than I did like a leg day today, but I haven't done a whole bunch this week, but. Um, Sounds like you do more full body and yeah, yeah. you have some extra, like your, your breakout kettlebell days are slightly more core focused. Yeah. Sounds way like. more core focused. I'll, I'll do mm-hmm. like the plank pull throughs too. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll just like kind of try weird moves, like to see like, like I, my, my kettlebell focus is only, has been kind of new lately just cause it's kind of, I've, I've been trying to like mix it up a little bit. Like I never just like going to the gym and trying to lift heavy stuff. And like, mm-hmm. I like doing like full range of motion stuff, I guess. Yeah. So there is an advantage to lifting heavy, but that's not it doesn't have to be something you do because there are the reasons we do it and then there's the reason we strength train from an enjoyment perspective and also a, you know, 
why we would lift heavy perspective. And you've got a trainer who's programming for you. So I never like to step on trainer's toes because I think that trainer is working with you in person and knows you and your goals and what you're doing. But I think it's really great that you're doing a lot of unilateral work, which in the, like the single leg work, that's really, really good because running is a single leg activity and you're doing a lot of core work, which is really good. Hopefully you're having fun with the strength training that you're doing. Um, and it, you're getting some consistency with it. So you're getting at least two days a week of strength and you've got your core breakout sessions on alternate days. So are those on days other than those strength training? So is it like, six days of doing some strength related activity yeah i'd say six days of doing some like yeah. even if it's like 10 15 minutes and then i'll have I, I will have like two days where i like dedicate like an like an hour to like strength training like i'll do like a push and pull day or like a leg day or like some days i'll just go in and do like like heavier squats or whatever but um yeah like usually every time every time i strength train i'm like i have to like tell myself like you're not going to do cardio today. Cause like, I'll just like, I could just do yeah. cardio every single day, but so I have yeah. to like kind of talk myself down from doing like cardio every single day, but. <laughs> well, your body will thank you for doing strength in terms of durability. As you, as we all age, we're all aging. I'm older than both of you. So I can say that, <laughs> you know, it's, it is important because strength training helps with other things outside of just aesthetics or how we look, but you know, for longevity, durability, there's a lot of benefits to strength training and it can enhance your running. And it sounds like you're kind of in that spot now where you're doing the strength training to enhance and support your running. You're not doing it to make gains in the gym. You're not going for a, a one rep squat max PR or anything like that. No. Um, there are times of the year where that can be fun kind of off season to kind of lean a little bit more into the, the strength training, but your motivations to do it might not involve that. And that's, that's okay. And I think that's important for people to hear that just like with the running strength training can be something you do just for the simple aspect of enjoying. There is a, there is something about periodization of strength training and building and, and doing similar exercises, the same ones for a block of time. So you get better at those, you get stronger at those. So you get the, whatever gain you're looking for, whether it's power, strength, and, you know, strength, endurance, anything like that. If you're mixing it up a lot, you're not going to get the same benefit. Same with running. If you're never really sticking to any kind of a plan and you're not you personally, but if people are doing a threshold workout this day and a VO2 max next week, and then maybe a little volume, kind of jack of all trades, master of none, they're not really benefiting. They're not getting out of shape they're, by any means. They're still going to have some, you know, fitness, but is it as defined and as specific as it could be. But that is also saying that you get to define what that means for you. What is progress in the weight room? What is progress in your running in terms of how weight in doing strength training impacts that? And if it's just the, it, I like to go, it's social. I do things, the unilateral work, it enhances my running. I don't care that I'm adding more weight or that I'm not. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm a very nice person, though. So, like, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I'm saying that that we're, and that's the beauty of strength training and endurance sports is that no two people are alike and their motivations are not the same. And it's not for me to ever put on an athlete why you should do something. You come to me and you say, this is what I want to get out of this. And then our job as coaches is to develop the best program for you to get you to that goal but I don't get to define that goal for you. Yeah, Sarah, so often that's a miscon misconception when people come in the door is 
they think it's going to be a very my way or the highway mm. um, as if they're joining an elite track team and if they are either going to break or make it and we're absolutely going to squeeze everything out of them but we are here to help with their goals um yeah. and this keeps coming up episode after episode is balancing usually people's real goals aren't to be the best athlete at the sacrifice of everything else if that was the case then you'd probably abandon all your responsibilities in in your family for <laughs> dramatic a, sake live a go, yard in the woods you know grow a long beard you know, yeah. be a mountain man <laughs> yeah kind of cool i guess for a little yeah. bit <laughs> It does sound all right. Like whatever Zach Miller was doing at the bar camp for all those years, oh, yeah. um, that kind of lifestyle, but we're all balancing many different things. So Sarah just encapsulated very well how we as coaches do orient ourselves towards those goals and not necessarily always our own goals. And I think that's good for other people to know if they ever do decide to work with a coach or something that is very, um, it's very flexible and it certainly at least should be. Yeah. Yeah. We're helping you. We're helping you write the roadmap to the destination you've told us you want to get to. We're not deciding your destination. We are helping you get to that place performance wise, experience wise, process wise, whatever that looks like to an individual. That's what a co coach should be doing. We don't Excellent. dictate the outcome for an athlete of what you should want. Um, yeah. At least that's my philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I mean, Cause like, I think I've obviously I've already said this. Like, I don't, I'm never going to, I'll never like, I'll, I don't care about winning it. I just want to be able to do this forever. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know why hundred miles sounds so, so alluring to me. I, I think this all like, I've heard like, like the horror stories, but it's also like those stories are always like shrouded in like how amazing the experience was. So it's just like, I, I, I need that. Like I, like, you know, I, it's easier just to say it like, but, um, I, I certainly would like to take a go at that. Um, you it's know, pretty so. magical. I think Adam yeah. can attest to that. Even in the hard parts, it's, it's pretty, it's an amazing experience. And yeah, we find out a lot about yourself when you're out there yeah, and other people, which I think is one of the most beautiful things is what you learn about other people when you're out there too. Yeah, I don't know what, like what it is about like type two fun that just gets me, like just gets me so <laughs> fired up, but. Yeah, I mean, even though 100 miles is a completely arbitrary number, it's silly, there's still very hard races up until that distance. I think part of the reason, at least I always come back to it, is it's such a stupid number. It's just so stupid. It's 50 miles, that's almost like a really long training run day. Um, but I'll never get to the point where running a hundred miles in a day doesn't sound like a really dumb thing to do. And to me, that's what keeps me coming back is it's just so ludicrous. Where do and, I sign up? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. A dumb idea. Where, sign, sign me up, take my money. Yeah. And it's still short ish enough where you're not really just doing like a fast pack thing. Um, you know, where the 200 miles become almost like a, a fast pack type adventure. So I think it is kind of that sweet spot of insanity and still, somewhat close to your endurance run pace um, that I think will always have some magic to people. Um, yeah. And in speaking of getting you to a hundred miles someday, looking at that one, two year roadmap, um, <clears throat> you know, just realistically volume is going to have to scoot up a little bit. Um, nothing crazy. You're, 
you're at reasonable volumes right now and don't have to do anything too crazy to get to that like 50 mile-ish type race goal. Uh, But I do want to know in the past, the limit to your training volume, has it been time, injury, over workload, just feeling overloaded with training? Um, What's the limiter been for you? I would say my my workload um i'm along with like a nine to five i also run like i run a side business and i also um i'm going to school (laughs) i don't know why at 40 years old i decided to um go to school for a completely different um field I've, i've worked in the engineering world for a few years and like i'm pursuing a counseling and psych degree which i i i'll never know what i want to do when i grow up so i guess i'll just keep going to school till i figure it out so honestly it's time then you're never gonna grow up i yeah i I just refuse to grow up anyways i guess but i guess i'll just be a a lifelong student so um you know and like obviously i have a family and stuff like that so really it's just time and and um you know, that's my big hangout. Sometimes when I'm, if, if I'm like running all day Sunday, I almost feel kind of guilty sometimes. And just like, or like my family's home, like, and I'm just like out here in the woods for like six hours or whatever. But, um, so I'd say time. I think a way to balance that and Adam, I'm sure you've got input too, is that's where a rest day can be a really beautiful thing because it's, I'm going to go out and do this long weekend, all this training, but Monday I'm all yours. Or Friday, I have the time to spend. Or some people, it's a Sunday, whatever it could be. So a rest day can also be a good opportunity to like, it's a day where you're not training and you can spend time with the family. Not that there should be any guilt around training, but I think we've all felt that way when we leave our partners or our family to go on a big adventure. Even if they're into a sport as well, like my my partner is, you still kind of feel like, or you don't, and you just go out and get lost in the woods like I do. <laughs> you feel bad um so and also i would look with your training the two days of strength training are good but you might those little kettlebell circuits you might start to short like eliminate those or reduce from four to two because that extra 10 minutes let's say it's even a little bit more if you really like the setup and the doing it and the you know that can be training time for running I'm not saying get rid of strength training because I'm I'm a big proponent of that. I think if you can keep two days a week and find that that balance, that's a really really good thing. Up into a very up to pretty far into your training, um, some people need to drop down to one at a certain point. But I think there are opportunities where you're doing things that you enjoy, which is good. But they you, there's going to have to be a a type of <clears throat> balance and exchange because you're dealing with time and time is something that it's a currency that you just don't get back. So if you only have 24 hours in a day and we want you to sleep and you have to work and you spend time with family, those extra 10 and 20 and 30 minutes that you spend maybe doing work that's fun, but doesn't have any impactful, meaningful purpose with your training. It's more fun yeah, could be better spent with the volume when you're building that volume up a bit more. Does that? How do you feel about that, Adam? What are your thoughts there? No, that was pretty much where I was going to take it. And I did do a little bit of Strava stalking on you before this. Um, and at least for the last few weeks, I see there there is a good deal of cycling. And what we haven't addressed is you know where cycling kind of fits in in the enjoyment spectrum. 
but um, just looking back over the last year, your total time training, which on on your job includes like strength training as well, is absolutely adequate um, in terms of availability. So some weeks you were up at like eight, even up to like 13 hours mm. total on some of the bigger weeks. Uh, but that's including cycling and some strength work. Yeah. Um, so as your priorities shift more towards just more demanding running goals, they're going to demand a slightly bigger piece of that pie. And with some of the other um, just finding time things as well. But, um, you know, especially as you get up close to a race, maybe you, you do prioritize the running a bit more than the cycling. And then in off season, if it's something you really enjoy, um, you find ways to, to work the cycling into your life as well. And cycling is still good volume. Um, in terms of how it relates to a running performance outcome, it's not one-to-one, um, you know, an hour of cycling isn't as good as an hour of running and I'm not going to sit here and put a percentage on it. Um, but yeah, it's not one-to-one, but it is still good training. So that's something to be accounted for that you're still getting that aerobic development. One small note, I know I'm going all over the place, but I did want to mention this earlier. The bike could be an excellent tool for you to introduce that intensity if it's something that you're looking to do um, with really low injury risk as well. And uh, you can get a lot of the benefits from that. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a great point, Adam, with using the bike to introduce that intensity. But also, I love the fact that, Joe, your, your training time that you're already we're putting into with everything is about where we want a lot of people going into a lot of these volume builds. So you're already there. You don't have to find much additional time. You're just going to have to potentially switch out certain modalities for others to bridge that gap, to bring that run volume up um, over the next year or two. So I'm doing good. That's an encouraging thing. I think that's super cool because it's like you're not like, oh gosh, it becomes a second job. No, like you're you're already devoting time to activity. You just have to start. Honestly, the cycling. The reason why I cycle so much is like I I try to read more. It's just like I could sit on my I could sit on my Mm. butt and read, or I could cycle and read. So usually, or like I could watch, like I'll rewatch The Office for the tenth time this year. So it's nice. like, I might as well like cycle while I'm doing it. So that's, that's probably why I have so many training hours okay. on Strava. But, and I, hopefully you didn't read too much. Like, I do really weird captions on my Strava account. Like, <laughs> I, like yesterday I was like complaining about eating too much tofu and stir fry. So I felt terrible for my, so I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm shocked that like anyone read, looked at my Strava cause I do really weird captions <laughs> or like, I'll put like whatever book I'm reading in my Strava Im- images or. So, <laughs> sorry. Well, about you'll that. have to compete with my weird captions. I, <laughs> I might be second place for that. <laughs> Almost makes me want to join Strava. You too. So <laughs> it, it's fun. I, I've actually met people through through Strava, which is kind of cool. But um, especially with the messaging feature now. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that until recently. Like some like I belong to like this Road Recovery Warriors group. It's like a sobriety running page. And um, uh, it's really cool. Um, the founders are Amber Graziano and Vinny Wood, and they're they're running coaches too, um, out in California. Um, but uh, someone contacted me about how I was doing the like. I don't know if you, if you any of you do Zwift, uh, Zwift at all, but like you can cycle and like your route will be like through this like volcano or something mm-hmm. really random. 
and it'll like screenshot little like 15 second like intervals of your workout and i've had people like message me like where are you cycling where there's like a volcano it's just, like it's like a virtual yeah thing then like so i've had people like i've like like sent, sent links to people like the trainer that i've got and like the app and stuff like that so it's really it's it's like kind of silly but it's kind of cool to like i can like i can like mirror it to my tv in front like i've got like a tv in this room with my bike so i can like you can like interface with other cyclists from like all over the world but yeah but usually i'm just kind of reading a book or whatever <laughs> while i'm <laughs> trying to keep up with a 205 watt um, pacer group from like Italy mm. somewhere. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's good. I'm, I, that's encouraging. So like, I honestly, I can't tell if I'm, am I training too much already? Am I training not enough? Like I wasn't sure where I fit really. I just, I just move as much as, as I can when I can like, and then, you know, and obviously to a degree that I still feel good. So I just, that's what, you know, if I have like a 13 hour a week, it's because I'm probably feeling really good. So I just keep going whenever I try to like, cap I try to like capture those weeks when I'm like really motivated. So like the weeks where I don't really like this week, I, I'll be honest, I haven't really felt a hundred percent, like just kind of like, I think this, like, I'm like very driven. My entire mood is driven off of my sun exposure. So it's just like being gray outside. So this week, it's a little bit lighter week this week for me just because it's like, eh, like it is what it is. And I haven't been, like I mentioned, I run commute to work. I haven't been on a run commute because my wife made, like my wife, I promised my wife I wouldn't run if it's below 10 degrees outside. So just, just because I, I am, oh, I guess I didn't mention this, but I am asthmatic too. So that's like a struggle and like the cold really hurts my, well, sometimes hurt my lungs, but so I kind of have to be careful with like negative single digit temperatures sometimes, but that's a really good note just for anyone. Um, you know, everyone kind of has their own threshold. I think 10 ish is, is a solid threshold. I'm not specifically sure with like a, an asthmatic population, but that's right around where I, I recommend my own athletes kind of cut it off. Um, especially if there's any intensity involved. Um, I, I don't really love to have anyone doing intensity under like 15. Um, but you know, sometimes it happens here and there. It's just like, just like being out in the wildfire smoke one day, isn't going to be that bad, but let's not yeah. make it a habit. That was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. It was really bad here for a while, but, um, but yeah, so that's been kind of a bummer. Like, I'm just like staring outside from my office is like, Oh, like, it's still raining, like it's, like it's freezing rain. Like this is a bummer, but hopefully this weekend's <laughs> well, gonna turn around. But I've got a, I've got a, I'm planning on 13 miles this Sunday with my friend Eric. So, like we're trying to make it a point to run more roads because the backyard in April is like three of that four mile loop is road, and I don't mm -hmm. run like a outside of like the park. I don't run like a ton of road um, lately because I just love being on the trail, but. In the, <laughs> the trails have been like a soup for like a month. So I've, yeah. I've been limited on, on that too, but it definitely is bummer season. I'm, I'm right there with you on, you know, 
I need the sunlight out to feel normal. That was my weird Strava caption yesterday. Just, oh boy, where's where's the sunshine? And we're training the dark with just the daylight hours as well. So I think everyone can get behind that a little bit. Um, Sarah and Joe, do you guys want to touch on anything else before we go? I think we covered a lot of it. I think we covered quite a bit, actually. No, this was enlightening. Like, that's, um, yeah, you, got, you, you both said a lot of stuff that, um, I guess I didn't realize or like, especially the feeling, I guess, like, as you were, as you were like unpacking that, I'm like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the one thing I kind of, cause I, I'm just so diehard about being a certain way with my diet. I think I, I do, I do have room, like a little bit more wiggle room, more flexibility in the, in that, um, department. Um, especially with like, especially with a hundred miler, right? Like I, I like I, my understanding is you can, you can get away with, a, uh, quite a bit more on like a 50k or like a 50 miler is my understanding but 100 miler you probably have to really have that dialed in there's yeah. not like a lot of room for mistakes is my like understanding about longer distance yep time is going to amplify the mistakes you make early on and that amplif- amplification effect um, might not be significant at the 50 mile mark but it'll absolutely catch up to you around 70 or 80 or mm. somewhere in there Absolutely. All right. Thank you to Sarah and Joe for coming on today. I really love Joe's approach to the sport. Ultra running has always been filled with a wide range of demographics, but I've always felt the most inspired by and connected to those who come to the sport from a place of addiction and transform themselves into something they never could have imagined. Joe is already doing so many things well, but I hope we were able to point him into the right direction as he continues to grow as an athlete. Sarah was fantastic as always, and I'm hoping she will be joining us again a lot more in the future. If you want to support this podcast, please leave us a rating or review or share it with a friend or all three if you really like it. If you'd like to come on, please shoot me an email at beyonddnf at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram and let's chat. Thanks everyone for joining us and I will see you next time.